Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church. I wanted to let you know that it is our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do this is by posting weekly content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We have a podcast. And I wanted to let you know, if this is the first time that you found us, we would love to know that you were here. You could let us know by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out our digital connect card. Again, I'm so glad that you found us and God bless. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to open to Luke chapter 15. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 this morning. We are starting a new series uh, that's going to be about three weeks long in Luke 15. And we are going to be going through an incredible chapter of Scripture over the next three weeks, looking at how God is for the one. How God is for the one. And, and as we heard the kids kind of singing this morning, reminding us of that spirit of thanksgiving uh, that we can have, I, I really think of no better chapter to start with this morning uh, to remind us that we can be thankful and rejoice in what God has done for us and who God is, and that he is one that is for us. He is for the one. And so when you find Luke 15, whether you have that paper copy or you have it digitally, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to read the Word of God together this morning, and uh, we're going to go from verses 1 through 10 in Luke 15. <clears throat> Luke writes in verse 1, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man re receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And verse five tells us when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Look in verse 8. It says, Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful uh, for these adults and kids that have put in uh, so much time into that program and, and what a program it was to remind us uh, to be thankful that you are a God who provides for us. And, and Lord, I thank you this morning we can open your word and we can learn truths about who you are. You have showed us that you're a God for the one, for us. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we come to your word, there's going to be a great joy in our hearts because we have engaged you uh, through the living word of God. Father, maybe we've been reminded that we once were lost, but now we're found. Or maybe this morning there's even one in our midst that needs to be found by Christ today. It needs to know this joy of knowing you through a relationship with Jesus Christ, your son. 
And so, Lord, I just pray that as we open your word, help us to learn from it. Lord, help us to love your word and help us to live your word, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to think in your mind of a moment in time, uh, whether it was recent or it could have been 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, when you were lost. When was that moment in time when you were lost? It could have been uh, like me when you were out lost driving, right? Even with GPS, I can still find my way to get lost. Uh, There's times when I go up into Houston and I come back and I think Sandra's just surprised I made it home by myself, right? I mean, she's like, way to go. We didn't know, right? So maybe it was like me, you're out lost uh, driving. Could have been as a kid, you got left behind in a store or you got separated from your parents in a, in a store, you were lost. Uh, maybe, you know, you were out lost on a hunt, you're out hiking, camping, hunting, you got lost. What was that moment when you were lost? You can probably identify one. Now, how'd that make you feel when you were lost? Could have made you feel frustrated, anxious, worried, uh, maybe you were, you were lost and, and you were just kind of turned around. You didn't know, you didn't know where you were, and, and so you were disoriented. Could have been angry. You know, we, we all can have that feeling where we know what it's like to be lost. You know, research in our area shows in the Alvin, Iowa Colony, Manville area, there's 47,000 people all around us that are spiritually lost. 47,000 people in our community spiritually lost. These are folks that you're at HEB with and Kroger with shopping. These are folks, students you're with every day in school. You're out on the ball fields. You're in the drama club and the band clubs with. These are people in your neighborhoods, people you work with. These are people all around you every day, 47,000 people in our area that are spiritually lost. How do you think they're feeling? Maybe this morning they're anxious. They're worried. Maybe this morning some of them are angry at God. And this morning some of them are disoriented in their lives. They don't, they don't know what's going on all around them. They're lost. In Luke chapter 15, you see Jesus is, up, is hanging out with some people that the Pharisees are upset with. All right, now if you know anything about the Gospels and you know anything about the life of Christ and the Pharisees, these two guys are always in conflict with each other. Right? The religious people are always mad at Jesus for something. And what does the text say in verse 1 and verse 2 that they're upset with Jesus about? The Pharisees come to them and they're saying, Jesus, we got a problem with you because you are hanging out, what does the text say, with tax collectors and sinners. You are receiving them and you're eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus, we have a problem with that. Now understand this group, the tax collectors, These are Jewish people who are collecting Roman taxes that the Romans are taxing against Jewish people. So these are Jews collecting Roman taxes from other Jews, all right? That's not going to get you on any Christmas card list if you have that job, right? I mean, they are going to look down upon. These are Jews that don't like these tax collector Jews because not only are they collecting taxes from the enemy against your own people, but many of these tax collectors were known as scandalous people that would collect a little extra taxes and pad their own pockets. So Jesus is hanging out with them. He's receiving them. He's eating with them. Well, not only is it tax collectors he's with, but it's sinners. Now, who are the sinners in the text? 
Here's how you identify the sinners. It's whoever's not a Pharisee. So the Pharisees are, wait a minute, hey, you're not one of us, so you're a sinner, right? It's the religious people saying, well, you don't think like us, act like us, dress like us, talk like us, therefore you're not of us, you're a sinner, But the problem with the Pharisees is this, they're quick to point out the sin of someone else, they're very slow to point out their own sin. Can I ask you a meddling question this morning with hopefully not getting myself into too much trouble? What makes you more upset every day? The sin of someone else or your own sin? See, because you and I could fall into that Pharisaical trap real quick. It's quick and easy to point out the sin of somebody else and get mad at somebody else for what they did. But should we not be more upset at what we've done? So the Pharisees are saying, wait a minute, Jesus, we got a problem with you. You're eating with tax collectors and sinners. You're associating with them. Now, you might think, well, what's the big deal? I mean, if you, you want to win people to Christ, you got to know people who don't know Christ, right? I mean, if you, you want to share the gospel, you got to know people who don't know the gospel. What, what's the big deal with this? Well, understand this. What the Pharisees are really saying is this. You call yourself the Son of God. You call yourself the Messiah. You call yourself a rabbi. You call yourself a holy man. Well, a Messiah, a rabbi, a holy man, the Son of God, would not be associating with these type people. So by you associating with these type people, therefore you are now unclean, therefore you are now one of those sinners, therefore in our minds you're not that kind of person. Because you and I might culturally think, well, what's the big deal, man? We can go out to eat with the non-Christian down to Las Flores, which is the best Mexican town, you know, Mexican place in town, right? We'll start that debate. (laughs) If you want to get me gift cards there, since I told you what not to do with Christmas trees, and I have an office full of Christmas trees now. (laughs) But we might think, what's the big deal about eating a meal with these folks, right? No, 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 no. In this culture, when you receive someone in your home, when you share a meal with them, that's you saying, "I'm, I'm with you. I'm a friend of you. I'm associating with you. So the Pharisees are pushing back, saying, wait a minute, you're no longer holy in our minds. You're no longer Messiah. You're no longer Savior. You're no longer clean because you're with these people. And then Jesus begins to tell a parable. Now, if you know anything about Luke 15, there's uh, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost two sons. Really, in our minds, we think they're three separate stories. I'm going to argue it's one story with three separate scenes because all three scenes have the same theme. You can sum up Luke 15 in three words. Are you ready? Lost, found, rejoicing. Luke 15 is all about that. All three scenes, those three words. Lost, something or someone was lost. Someone went to go find that which was lost. It is found, and then there's much rejoicing. And what you see is a God who is for the one. What you see in Luke 15 is this. There is a God who sent his son Jesus to seek and save the lost, us, 
for the one. So this morning, we're going to pick up in that first scene, and I want you to see something particular about God today. I want you to see a God who searches, a God who searches. So Jesus launches out in this story, these parables, and he says in verse 3, that he told them this parable. Now, verse 4, there's a man who has a hundred sheep. If he lost one of them, he leaves the 99 in the open country, and he goes and he finds the sheep. What you see see is that truth right there, that there is a God who searches for us. The sheep has wandered off. He's left the fold. He's out on his own. And now you see a shepherd leaving the 99 after the one sheep. And when we stop and we think about that part of that scene of a sheep that has wandered, a shepherd that is searching, We are reminded the Bible calls us sheep because that's who we are. We are directionless without God. Without God, we're prone to wander in our lives. And you know, that's why I love music. I think music plays such a huge part of worship for us. And, And there's old songs I love. There's new songs I love. And there's a particular old, old hymn I love that we sing because when we sing the part of this hymn, Boy, it just connects with my mind. It connects with my heart and my spirit. And I know there's plenty of songs we sing that do the same for you. But it's this, O come thou fount of every blessing. Because there's a part in that song that, boy, it just, it just gets me every time. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. And this is the part of the song I just, boy, I just get every time. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Isn't that us? Aren't we sheep? Prone to wander? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love? And what's Jesus saying about God in this picture of a shepherd? He's saying God's the one who searches. God's the one who comes. That's why Jesus in Luke chapter, or excuse me, John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd who lays my life down for the sheep. And what happens in verse 5? The shepherd finds the sheep and he picks him up. And he carries them back to the fold. This shepherd carrying the sheep. Why is he carrying the sheep? Well, this sheep's probably tired. He's wandered far off. Could be hurt. Could be injured. Could, could again be disoriented. Doesn't know where he is. And the shepherd's saying, I'll come home. Shepherd says, I'll bring you back. I'll bring you back. And this morning, that's what Christ Jesus does. That when we turn back to our good shepherd Jesus, when we have wandered, He says, I'm the one that brings you back to God in a relationship. I'm that good shepherd that has searched for you. I find you and I bring you back. So what you see first is a a shepherd that searches, a, a God that searches for us. But I want you to notice, secondly, what we see in the story is a God we can praise Not only is it a shepherd that searches and a God that seeks us, but a a God that we can rejoice in and pray. Jesus uh, continues on in the story when he says in verse 8, there's a woman that has 10 silver coins. 
And if she loses one coin, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek it diligently until she finds it? Now, when we read that part of the parable in the story, it probably doesn't connect to us quite right away like the sheep with the shepherd. And the reason being, I think, is because we've moved kind of more cashless as a society. <laughs> I mean, you know, like we now go up to a thing and we tap a card, we insert a chip, or we Apple Pay with our phone, or uh, maybe you pay a lot of bills online. And so now we're reading about a culture that has coins, and we're thinking, well, what's the big deal about losing a quarter? Right? What's the big deal about losing a nickel or a dime? Hey, you know, if you still carry cash, you probably got a uh, you know, cup holder in your car full of coins today. And you're thinking, well, what's the big deal about losing a coin? Right? Well, understand in this culture, in this day, in this time, uh, that's a denarii. So that's a, a day's wage. Right? So she has 10 coins. She has 10 days wages. She's lost a whole day of wage. All right, so stop and just think about it. Let me put it a little more culturally to you. You're going to go to work tomorrow for free, Right? Do you want to do that? You want to go to work tomorrow and work a whole day and you may earn several hundred dollars tomorrow and you lose it all in a day? For some of us, we're going to go, whoa, 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 hang on. That, that's a lot of money to lose in a day. <laughs> I need to find that wage. I need to find that money. So what does she do? She searches. And she's searching. And I mean, she's flipping over couches. She's litting, you know, lighting lamps. She's sweeping. She's dusting. She's doing all that she can do to find that coin that was accidentally lost. And what happens when she finds it? There's much rejoicing. Remember I told you there was three words that you'll learn all throughout Luke 15? Lost, found, rejoice. What happens when the sheep is found by the shepherd. Go back to verse 6. The shepherd brings him back, and he tells all his friends and all his neighbors, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Look in verses 9 and 10. Notice what the woman says. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I lost. Just so, Jesus says, I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We're going to cover this story next week, but I want you to drop down in verses 23 and 24. Because as the lost prodigal son has now been found and brought back in with the father, I want you to see what the father says to his family, to his neighbors, to his friends. He says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's eat, let's celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they celebrate him. You see a God who searches. You see a God who saves. You see a God in whom we rejoice in. That's what Jesus is getting to in our hearts, that we rejoice when one sinner repents. We rejoice when God has saved folks and people and brought him to himself. Luke 15 is all about a God who sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. I want to give you this morning kind of five quick 
application points and what we can walk away with from Luke 15. Number one, I want you today to rejoice in God who seeks and saves the lost. We ought to be a people that constantly are rejoicing in who God is and how he seeks and saves the lost. So this morning, I want you to rejoice in God who seeks and saves the lost. Secondly, rejoice in the one who repents. And this is what we see already in Luke 15. Something was lost. It has been found. Jesus is telling us in heaven, there is much rejoicing when one sinner turns back to God. And let's be a people who rejoice in what God has done and rejoice that God saves. Let's rejoice in the person that has come back to the Lord. So many of you have that person in your mind. So many of you have that person you're praying for, those people you're praying for. And so many of you can say, over the course of my life, I have seen people come back to the Lord that went wayward. And in that, we ought to rejoice. Third, this morning, I want you to rejoice in your salvation in Jesus. Rejoice in your salvation in Jesus. Look, I, I know that a lot of you have a lot of, a lot of problems. We all have problems. You, you've got worries, you've got anxieties, you've got medical things you're dealing with, financial things you're dealing with, relationship things you're happening in your life. You, you share those prayer requests with us, and it's such an honor every week to pray for you and to, just to stand alongside of you and say, Lord, I'm, I'm lifting you up before the Lord. And all of those things are weighty on us, and I understand that. But you and I, at the end of the day, we ought to be able to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for my salvation. Lord Jesus, thank you that heaven is my home. Lord Jesus, thank you I have a relationship with God now and throughout all of eternity. And Lord Jesus, thank you that this is as close to hell as I will ever experience in my life because of the type of God you are. Amen? And so right now, in this season we're in, boy, we, we ought to rejoice in the God who saves. Rejoice in the person that repents. Rejoice in the salvation that we have in Christ. But let me give you number four. I want you to reflect the attitude and actions of Jesus. So we're rejoicing in God. We're rejoicing the sinner repents. Rejoice in our salvation. And then you and I, out of rejoicing, now reflect the attitude and action of Jesus. That means this, we ought to be a people in a church that's for the one. We ought to be a people in a church that's constantly doing what we have to do, making the adjustments we have to make, creating more and more space for the one, for that person who's yet to come to Christ. Our hearts ought to beat just like God's beats. How do we seek? How do we help? How do we bring more and more people to Christ? And so that means sometimes we have to sacrifice some comforts. Sometimes that means we have to make some adjustments in our schedules. Sometimes that means we have to make some changes in the positions we sit in a room. And so all of that is saying out of this attitude of rejoicing in God who saves, rejoicing in the salvation we have. Let us reflect that attitude with our attitude and actions to make more and more room for the one, for that one that this morning spiritually is lost, spiritually wandering 
from that good shepherd who has now come to lay his life down for the sheep. I want you this morning to reflect that attitude and action we see of God in this passage constantly doing what he has to do for the one. And finally this morning, I want to call you to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. I want you this morning to receive Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. This is a good God who sent his only begotten son into this world to die on a cross for your sin. So now with faith in Jesus Christ, you are brought back to the Lord in whom you have wandered from in your life. You have sinned against and rebelled against. You have left. You are right now destined for an eternity of destruction away from him. But God has made a way. God says, I don't want you there. I want you with me. And I'm making a way for you through my son Jesus, who is this good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. And the Bible says what we do is receive Jesus Christ into our life. We place our faith and our trust in him. And salvation, it is a gift of God, nothing we earn so that we don't boast in what we've done. We boast in what the Lord has done for us. And so maybe this morning, that's where you are. You feel like you're that sheep wandering in life. You're spiritually disoriented right now. You've just got the weight of sin in your life. There is a good shepherd today who says, I will bring you back home. I'll bring you to God. And so I'm going to encourage you. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you, follow up with you, and and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org slash connect. Click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 1030 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.